She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And I'm so excited. We've got Dr. Biamonte and he is a world recognized authority for treating candida, digestive issues, and also thyroid. He's got two different websites. One's New York City CandidaDoctor.com and one is New York City ThyroidDoctor.com. So welcome, Dr. Biamonte. Thank you very much, my dear. Very happy to be here with you. So let's talk a little bit um, about candida first, because I think right now people are kind of turning to sugar more than ever. I feel like even me, I, I eat a lot of fruit even, and, you know, candida is such a problem to get rid of. So I want to, first of all, talk a little bit about how, how do you know kind of some of the symptoms that you know that you have candida, number one. And number two, what are some of your top treatments for it? Well, first, a brief prelude as to candida. For those who don't know much, candida is normal to exist in your intestinal tract, but it's a subdominant organism there. It's it's a minor organism. When it grows out of control, it does so because the friendly bacteria that we hear so much about, the probiotics, somehow go out of balance. They're, they're killed off by antibiotics or by medications, by many different things. And when they reduce, the candida then overpopulates. And candida releases a host of toxins into your body. It just It's not as simple as it just creates vaginal yeast infections in women. It, it creates autoimmune conditions in the body. It weakens your immune system. It causes all types of digestive issues. How you know you have candida is actually difficult because probably 30% of the population at any given time has a candida overgrowth and most of those people don't know it because the symptoms are so varied. The symptoms of candida range from um, fatigue to cognitive problems, brain fog, to rashes, to asthma, to allergies, to all types of gas, bloating, digestive problems, constipation, diarrhea. So it's so varied that a lot of people aren't going to suspect it unless they happen to get a a book or watch a podcast or something where you can go through all the symptoms and then how most people get it. Most people, unfortunately, do get it from um, uh, repeated use of antibiotics. That's very common. But birth control pills can cause it. Different steroids can cause it. Um, Antacid pills, someone who abuses antacids can develop candida. So there are various things that can happen. And in in modern times, I now know that COVID can cause candida and the the COVID vaccine can cause candida. So that really opens up the door for more people now developing candida than what we thought previously. So we have to up it now at this. Instead of 30%, it it might go as high as 40 or 50%. And a lot of my patients who recovered from candida when they got COVID or got vaccinated had a relapse of candida. Mm. So that's the first, first thing to consider. What is your kind of protocol of some of the practical things people can do 
to my protocol is, is covered pretty detailed in my book, the Candida Chronicles. It's totally different in some ways than the average doctor or the average, um, let's say, functional doctor or nutritionist out there. There are certain mistakes that they make in treating Candida, which are devastating, which they still don't grasp. The first thing that we cover in my book is that when you use antifungals, you must rotate them. You have to switch them around every so often. It could be as simple as four days, seven days, something like that, but you can't stay on the same antifungal. The story that I heard time after time, which is covered on my website, person comes to me, they say, well, I went to see the doctor. He put me on an antifungal program with probiotics. I started to feel better. After a month or two, all the symptoms came back. He raised the doses of everything and I just got worse. What happens is candida is very mutative. It genetically can switch to different species and different forms. Candida is like a chameleon. It's called dimorphic as an organism, which means it can exist in two states. Not only can candida flip itself from a yeast organism to a fungal organism, which are inherently different, some similarities, but inherently different. It could also jump species. You can, you, the candida albicans can become candida galbrata or candida tropicalis. And this is all due to being hit with the same medication over and over again for a period of longer than 21 days. Once you're on the same candida medication for 21 days, candida begins to mutate and become drug resistive. And that's when it switches species. So therefore, we must, when you're treating candida, you must rotate the antifungals. We typically um, rotate them every four, four days or seven days, depending on the program the person's on. But when you switch them around like that, you stop the candida from mutating. So <clears throat> that's such a great point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because so <clears throat> let's say somebody, let's say the doctor prescribes Diflucan, right? Or uh, Flucon, how do you say fluconazole or niacinamide? Yeah. So you would say to someone, okay, go to di do diflucan for five days, and now you're going to do a different one for another five days. Right. You could do that. But the problem is in the medications. Well, the reason why you would want to do that, number one, is because the candida might mutate. But secondly, if you stay on those medications for too long, even if you're rotating them, they can damage your liver and your kidneys. Mm -hmm. So because they're pharmaceuticals, they're not meant to be taken for long periods of time. They're meant to be taken in a short blast. But some I've I've I know cases where people have been on niacinamide for months. They've been on ketoconazole for months and it can start damaging their liver and kidneys. So that's the first reason why you wouldn't want to use the drugs. The drugs just don't work. Second thing is candida tends to live in your intestinal tract in a symbiotic fashion with other organisms. So it's not unusual that you'll find candida living with harmful bacteria and parasites. They insist together. They're like a cluster. If you could walk through someone's intestinal tract with a flashlight, you'd see it'd be look pretty normal. Then all of a sudden you'd come up, come up against this gob of candida with parasites, harmful bacteria and biofilm surrounding it. You see, so when you take the pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceuticals only kill fungus or yeast. They don't address the biofilm. They don't address the parasites and they don't address the bacteria that are all clustered together. What can do that are the, are the natural ones, the herbal ones. The herbal ones are more broad spectrum. So the herbal ones are able to kill bacteria, parasites and yeast all in one swoop. 
where the pharmaceuticals can't. The pharmaceuticals also can't um, ad identify or address the biofilm, which is another, another matter. There are natural remedies that kill candida that can also get rid of the biofilm or break the biofilm down. The biofilm is something that's produced by bacteria, which harbor with candida, and it's like a mucus coating or let that it throws over the whole group of the organisms, which are trying to protect it from your own immune system. So do you have kind of on your website, do you have all of these different, the, the things that you have that are more natural that can work? And no, what's your favorite no, one? No, we don't have them. And the, and the reason for that, there are several, but I don't have a favorite one. We go by testing. We do testing on people. We, the testing that we do helps us identify what's going to work best on them, you see, because it doesn't, there's no cookie cutter way to do this because different, different medicines, herbal medicines in particular, because that's what I'm speaking of, are more effective against certain species of candida. So what we, what we do have on the websites are the concepts that we use, the concepts and the ideas we translate those in my office when we treat the patient. We translate the concept or the idea into the actual protocol by testing the person and finding out how much candida they have, how many parasites they have, what species of bacteria do they have with the candida, what's the species of their candida, et cetera, et cetera. That's how you can actually do it because you just, there's no cookie cutter way in that fashion to do it. You have to test the person because everyone is unique. Everyone's biome is different. And we treat the person based on their biome and based on the, the diversity of the biome in terms of these pathogens. If someone has candida albicans and Klebsiella, which is a, a, an autoimmune provoking bacteria, that's going to be a different treatment than if the person has, um, let's say, candida gelbrata and blastocystis hominis, which is a parasite. See, so we have to treat the person individually. That's why treatments don't work. That's why all these people who are self-treating themselves, you, I feel so bad for them. I see them on Facebook and on all these different um, chat boards. They're not getting, they're not going to get anywhere self-treating because it's too complicated. It's the, the whole concept is too booby trapped for them to ever get well in this manner because, because they don't know the species of candida they have. They don't know what their, their biome is. And even if they knew that information, they don't have the, the data on knowing what medicines work best against that. That's something I've been researching since about 1989 or so. And it's taken me, taken me all this time, someone who's done it full time to put all that data together. So to expect anybody who's self-treating to do this in a few months or even a few years is, is not really realistic. Mm. So when you talk about the testing, are they, are you doing stool testing? Um, what, what kind of test are you doing? Yes, we often do stool tests. We often do stool tests to get the biome, but we also use organic acid tests to understand the amount of the candida activity. And we have, a, there's a urine test that I developed which is exclusive to my treatment, which the person can actually take at home. It's a self-administered urine test that measures free radicals being released by the candida. It releases the amount of candida proteins and wastes, and it also measures uh, chemicals that come from harmful bacteria, which insist with the candida. Remember, when you're talking about candida, you're actually talking about a condition that we call dysbiosis. 
Dysbiosis means that you have an imbalance between all the friendly organisms and then all the bad ones. And now the bad ones are outnumbering the good ones. So you, you, it's, it's very rare you'll ever find someone who only has candida. Most people with chronic candida have a combination of bacterial overgrowth, parasites, and candida all together with that biofilm that that bacteria is producing to cover them up and protect them. And that's a large reason why people don't get well is because of the biofilm that's there. The longer someone has a candida overgrowth, the more likely they are to have biofilm. And the biofilm is like a protective mucus that these organisms make to cover themselves up and hide themselves. Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com slash wine and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're going to have wine to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no added only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at ChantelRayWay.com slash wine. So as far as can you treat people who are anywhere in the country? Yes, we've we've been doing this since 1990, maybe even earlier. I think I did my first phone consultation in 1987 or 88 with someone. And we've, um, it's just accelerated to the point where that's all we do now. We're totally set up to treat people long distance. We use, um, we use Skype in some cases. We use Zoom. We use, uh, our favorite is Doxy, which is a, a platform that allows us to talk and see each other just like we're doing now. And we use that to uh, consult with the patients. And then we we either mail them what they need directly, or we have different websites they go to, which have the products or the, or the um, testing that we need that we direct them to. So it's very easy. Actually, it's easier because the person doesn't have to come into the office and fight the New York City traffic. So it's actually easier for them. We have patients that we've been treating for, for quite a long, families we've been treating for years that live several blocks from us who do this very way. They don't bother coming in anymore. It's a new cyber way of being treated, I guess. Right. Now, someone had said to me that one of the big signs of candida and mucus is that if when you poop, it sticks to kind of the toilet and it it kind of leaves marks on the toilet, that that would be a big sign that someone has excessive mucus and candida in their no, that, That's that a sign of, no, that's a sign of lack of fiber in the diet. Mm. You can't, um, and also the the other thing that's been popular on the internet, where you spit into the glass of water, and you observe how the how the, how the saliva formation comes down, and what happens. That's not a, a test for candida either. That's a test for dysbiosis. If someone does that spit test and it comes okay. up positive, what that's telling you is you have a flora imbalance. That doesn't have to particularly be candida. So. As far as that goes, so tell, tell, I haven't heard of that spit test. Tell, tell me what that is. Um, it's generally speaking, the person just spits into a glass of water and they okay. observe it over the, over, over the period of a few minutes or, or, or um, let's say an hour. And they want to see if it starts to, to develop these long legs in the, in the saliva. Mm-hmm. And that's been that's been said to be an indication the person has candida. But it's actually, it's actually not. That formation of the saliva 
is actually an indication that they have a dysbiosis of some kind. So it could be candida, could be parasites, could be anything. It definitely tells you something's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have candida. Mm-hmm. So let's say if you had to say kind of the, herb, and, and I get it, they have to come in, they've got to do the test and see what they have. But if you had to pick kind of your top three kind of supplements that do help with candida, what would they be? That's a good question. Um, well, there are, we categorize supplements that we use for candida. We, we categorize them into whether they, they um, fall into the phase zero approach, phase one or phase two. In phase zero, which is the first treatment we give people, we use some, some things that are along the line of a colon cleanse for candida that also will help eliminate parasites in the person. Because parasites often harbor with candida and they they're very often perpetuate each other. The parasites stop the friendly bacteria from growing back. So that allows the candida to stay there because you, you take probiotics to try to get rid of candida, but the parasites being there cause the candida, to, the, the friendly bacteria to be repelled. So literally when you have on the mucus lining of your intestines, parasite infection and the parasites are mingled with candida, mingled with harmful bacteria, those colonies actually push the probiotics away so they can't stick to your gut lining. That's why we don't use probiotics until we get to the second phase of our program where the organisms have been reduced enough where we know these friendly probiotics will stick now, you see? So, we categorize things as whether or not they fall into phase one, phase zero or phase one, which is where we rotate antifungals that work systemically, or phase two, which is where we rotate antifungals that work deep in the intestinal lining. And if I was to then go about saying which are some of the most common that we could use for each phase in there, um, the things that we use on phase zero commonly are, are um, enzymes that are able to digest candida, diatomaceous earth, which is able to literally, literally like cut into it and slash it, and then different fiber supplements, which are able to push all that that you've just created with the enzymes and the diatomaceous earth out. That would be a phase zero approach. On phase one, a common supplement we use is called biocidin. It's, a, it's one of the more powerful of all the herbal combinations. There's several different versions of biocidin, but often we use that as one of the items we rotate. And then on phase two, to kill the deep rooted candida, you need to use antifungals, which are fatty acid based. And that falls into the heading of either caprylic acid or undiselenic acid. So then a person could look uh, at different companies that make those, the ones that one of the ones we tend to use a lot because it's it's the best is called Mycopro. It's a caprylic acid product made by Nisby is the name of the company. But again, I have to warn people out there listening that this information I'm giving you really isn't worth much. I'm just telling you what some of the popular products that we use are for the person to go out and then go buy Micropro and stay on Micropro for months. They're going to end up back in the same soup that I explained before. They're going to drive their candida into a drug resistance. So you don't want to get fixated on one product or one way to do it. You've got to look at in my book, which I go over the, the concept of these phases, phase zero, one, two, first phase zero. You want to clean out the colon of the obvious bad guys that are there. 
so that you can go to phase one, you can take these different herbs, rotate them, they'll absorb, and they'll actually work in your system, and they'll destroy probably 70% of the candida that you've got. But now the last remaining 30% of the candida needs to be killed by these deep or working intestinal antifungals, which, as I said, could either be the caprylic acid, the undiselenic acid, or even, even grapefruit seed extract. Mm. I know I did the diametaceous earth, um, you know, the food grade for a little, for a period of time, a few years ago. And that stuff is disgusting. Like it's just awful. Um, yeah, but, it gets, it digs in there and it, it does what it does. What it needs to do. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those but you things. see, if you just take that, now as an example to our back to our phase zero program, which is very important because phase zero is the underlying foundation of the whole program of candida elimination. People continue our, and just to give you an idea of this, people continue our phase zero while they're on phase one and phase two. But the concept of phase zero is we have a fiber product that's going to absorb the toxins that we're loosening up. Because remember, phase zero starts with the diatomaceous earth and an enzyme that's going to go through there, slashing into the candida and digesting the candida. So that's going to create debris. So if we have diatomaceous earth and an enzyme that will digest candida, we need something that it's going to clean up something that's going to mop up the mess. So that's where we have a fiber product that's going to come through to absorb these toxins and push them out. And that's also where we'll use something like castor oil capsules, but we have them frozen for the person. The person doesn't take the castor oil capsules at room temperature. They freeze them first so that they go through their stomach and they start to dissolve in the intestinal tract where they can loosen up other junk that's there, cut mm-hmm. through biofilm, things like this, and then allow the fiber then to push everything out. And the castor oil is actually converted in your intestinal tract by enzymes there into undiselenic acid and other chemicals, which are very uh, poisonous and harmful to parasites. So it's actually becomes an antiparasitic. And the reason why you want it to be frozen is that so that it it doesn't go through your system so fast. No, we don't want it to hit your stomach and cause a purge because then everything just flushes out and it's a waste. We want it to thaw out slowly in the intestines so we can loosen everything up, and so that your body also has time to convert the undiselenic acid or convert the castor into the undiselenic acid and the other factors which are antiparasitic. There's two folds. We want a slow loosening effect of any debris that's sitting there that the parasites or the candida are hiding in. And we also want to give the intestinal tract a chance for those enzymes to convert the castor oil into these antiparasitic substances. Mm, Love it. Well, let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about your thyroid. And I think our audience is pretty advanced, um, but let's talk a little bit about what are kind of the, the number one things that you see of misdiagnosis for thyroid. Well, the first thing, what the audience doesn't know is that the average um, endocrinologist you go to, and this is even if he's like a a world-renowned endocrinologist on Park Avenue, right? They know a certain amount where their knowledge of thyroid ends is at the point where your your thyroid hormone is more or less circulating in your bloodstream. That's about it. Now, I would have them go back and read a book by Broda Barnes, which was called Hypothyroidism, the Unsuspected Illness. It was written a long, long time ago. 
And in the book, the point that Broda Barnes made is was that many people take blood work for thyroid and their blood work could show their thyroid's okay or it's borderline normal. And they actually have a big thyroid problem because when you talk to those people, you'll find that they have really intense symptoms of hypothyroidism. But the doctor looks at this blood work and he says, well, you know, your tests are low normal, but they're normal or they're just on the borderline. So let's watch it and see what happens. So meanwhile, the person continues to suffer with low thyroid. So why this is happening is because blood work only tells you a certain amount. What's happening in the cells of your body as regards thyroid hormone is that the thyroid hormone, in order for it to go into the electron transport chain, which is part of the chemical process in your cells, where the thyroid hormone gets utilized, it's dependent on minerals, trace minerals. And this is what 90% of the people I talk to about thyroid don't know. If you have an imbalance in the trace minerals in your cells, your body doesn't utilize the thyroid hormone and you're functionally hypothyroid. And the exact minerals that we're talking about are calcium and copper versus zinc and potassium. Calcium and copper act as a natural governor in your cells to reduce the sensitivity of the thyroid hormone. Zinc and potassium do the opposite. Zinc and potassium actually sensitize your cell receptors to thyroid hormone. So you can have um, your blood work look fine, actually, but if your ratios of calcium to copper and zinc to potassium are off, you'll functionally be hypothyroid. And when you take your body temperature, your temperature will be below 97.8. And this is in the book what Broda Barnes stressed is rather than stressing blood work, Broda Barnes talked about your body temperature. If your body temperature is below 97.8, regardless of what the doctor says or the blood test says, you have a functionally low thyroid because the thyroid hormone isn't working properly in your cells via that electron transport chain. So now how do you discover this, what, your, what the levels are of the minerals in your body? Well, we've used for many, many years hair analysis. Hair analysis was popular at one time, and then there was a doctor in New York, who, whose name I won't mention, who was both a doctor and a lawyer, and he was allegedly a quack buster. And because chiropractors at that time were using hair analysis, he decided he was going to go on this whole PR campaign against hair analysis because he didn't like chiropractors. That's very strange um, because hair analysis had been used in forensics for many, many years. That's how they discovered Napoleon died of arsenic poisoning was by obtaining his hair and, and testing it for minerals. And it was found that Napoleon was actually slowly uh, murdered using arsenic. So um, we've used the hair analysis for years because the labs have obtained about maybe 60, 70 years now of, um, of analytical research on the mineral levels. So we now know that if we take a hair analysis on somebody and the hair analysis shows us the levels of zinc and copper and potassium and, and calcium, et cetera, we know that that represents the levels that are in the person's tissues. And there have been many studies that co go along with this and that will collaborate this. We know that um, a biopsy of your liver, for instance, for the mineral copper, very closely matches what you find in your hair as far as your couple level. So we use hair analysis on people to determine this. A hair analysis to me, um, done by a reputable lab like Doctors Data or Trace Elements Incorporated, 
which is a lab owned by a good friend of mine, Dr. David L. Watts, who I consider the world's expert in trace minerals. A hair analysis is a better test to determine thyroid function than blood work. If you use a hair analysis and you understand how to interpret the minerals and you have the person taking their body temperatures, you can get more results out of that than having them go for the blood work, which is just going to keep telling you the same thing, that their blood is either normal or low normal, and the doctor doesn't know what to do with that. Hey guys, I really want you to join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Mm. <clears throat> I love that. Well, I want to talk a little bit because I, I forgot to ask you about this when we were talking about candida. So I want to backtrack and, and talk about diet for both candida and thyroid. And, you know, you can read different things. It's very controversial, you know, on the candida diet. Some of them are so strict and they're basically like, you know, you basically can have meat and non-starchy vegetables. That's it. And then, and they're so restrictive. Then there's some that, you know, say, Okay, you can have non-starchy vegetables, some low sugar fruits, some non-glutinous grains, some dairy products and fermented foods. So it kind of, you know, goes all over the place as far as some are super restrictive. Some kind of say, okay, we'll give you a little bit of this because we know you're not going to kind of make it. So where are you at as far as when you're kind of talking to people about you know, especially some of these trace minerals that they're missing, because I will, I will tell you this, I crave the one thing I crave all the time. Like if you said, okay, what do you want to eat all the time? And that would be an, a gluten-free everything bagel with cottage cheese. Like literally there has to be something that I'm depriving myself of, which I don't allow myself to have that very much because I try to stay away from dairy, but I literally, like, if you said to me at any time, what do you want to eat? I would say a gluten-free everything bagel with cottage cheese. Like well, I'm like dying for it all the time. I Isn't guarantee you. I, no, not at all. I guarantee you if I tested you, I'd be able to tell you why. Mm -hmm. What would you think it is? I wouldn't presume because I've seen, I've learned not to presume. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many variations and things, but the one thing I do know is when I test the person, I, I can spot why that is. Mm -hmm. But to actually answer your question, your original question, I investigated and researched this at one point, why it was there were so many different candida diets and the why they were so different. And I've, I learned something really funny. I found out that why the this person who's writing the diet came up with this was based on their own self-treatment, what they found worked for them. And I found that many of the people who said no fermented food, they ended up having leaky gut. And leaky gut's one of the things where you eat fermented food, it sets it off and makes it worse. And then the degree of how strict they were with carbohydrates was kind of in parallel to their own case and how bad their candida was. So that's the mystery of why there are so many different candida diets. It's just based on what worked for that person usually when they were treat, self-treating and they just uh, uh, employed that same, that same diet on everyone. Now, 
from knowing that and learning that, and I was lucky because a lot of these people who were podcasters and had well, YouTube videos, they, a lot of them came to me as patients. So I was able to uncover this and figure it out. So I, in reverse engineering the whole thing, what I learned was, is that how we find out the correct diet for the person is partially based on their blood type because blood type O's and type A's can tolerate carbohydrates in different degrees. A's tolerate carbs better than O's. The O does better on like a paleo diet. And you've got to look at the degree of candida the person has. How bad their candida is and how sensitive they are to it, first of all, justifies how strict of a, of a diet you put them on. So someone with very high candida who's very sensitive to that candida immunologically needs to be on a lower carb, lower sugar diet. If the person is a type O or a type A or type B blood type, then you can also look at the characteristics of that blood type and what foods tend to trigger them and incorporate that into diet. Now, if they have leaky gut syndrome, they need to do less fermented food and less raw food because that's what triggers leaky gut and aggravates it. So when you look at you look at all of those components, that's how you come up with the ideal diet for this particular candida patient. Because if you don't, you can go spinning around on the YouTube and hear all these different opinions of what the diet is. But the thing that they're not telling you is this is the diet that happened to work for them. So if you were to refer those people to me and I was to test them, I could take the whole thing apart, reverse engineer it, and I could tell you why they came up with this diet because that is what works best for them. Because they've been, they've been at this for years trying to figure out what diet they could tolerate, you see. So they came about this based on what worked for them. And what worked for them is based on their own biochemistry and their own unique physiology of what's happening with them at this time with their candida, their leaky gut, etc. Love it. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want listeners to know about? Um, I think the best, as far as candida goes, the best thing they could do would be to get my book. Because the book explains all of the mistakes that all the doctors make that I learned from. And that's, that's a, to, very true. Because how I got the, the technology up to the level of where it is, is by listening to the patients, hearing what they said didn't work for them. And then I went back to the textbooks to figure out why that would be. So I'm using that. I'll use the term reverse engineering again. That's what I did. And it's all covered in my book. My book covers all the mistakes that people typically make when they self-treat themselves or what most uh, practitioners do, which is, which is wrong and results in either the person getting worse or just not feeling any improvement. It's all explained in there. And it's explained in a, in a sense where you then know what to do to not do that, how to avoid that. What should you be doing? So instead of being on the same antifungal for four months and driving your candida albicans now into candida tropicalis and having that be drug resistant, it explains the proper way to use the antifungals. Same thing would be true for probiotics and everything else. Like we don't, we don't use probiotics when people first come to us. They don't go on a probiotic program for six months. We treat their candida for like maybe the first six or seven months before they ever go on a probiotic. Because why should I waste their money on a probiotic that's not going to work? Hey, if probiotics work the way everyone says they did, no one would be coming to me. Right. Well, I want you to expand a little bit more on 
you know, people going to the doctor and, you know, they're, they're not losing weight. They're tired. Their, their temperature is lower than, you know, 97.8 all the time. They're, Mm -hmm. they're cold. Um, but yet they go to the doctor and they're saying the doctor saying, no, it's normal. So what, what are some of those kind of big things that you would say that someone needs to do at that point? First thing, I'll take it from Bob Atkins, Robert Atkins, the famous, uh, famous diet doctor, who was mm-hmm. also a cardiologist. And Bob Atkins and I, once we had this conversation talking about this, and he picked up a copy of one of his first books, and he started thumbing through the pages, and he goes back to this one page, and he puts it in my face, and he says, look at this. I said this back in 1970 or something. And what it said in the book was there are two reasons why his diet wouldn't work. One is if you have low thyroid, two is if you have candida. So right there, that puts those two items together. So when a person is doing a low carbohydrate diet or, or, or a keto plan or something, that's right out of the Atkins playbook. And Dr. Atkins has himself said candida and low thyroid will prevent those diets from working. So first thing someone needs to suspect is if they're doing um, a low-carb diet, and if it's not working, you should suspect you have candida or low thyroid. Now, for candida, that's a tough one. You'd have to go through symptoms and go through your own medical history and see if you can pinpoint a time that you took antibiotics or you took some kind of medication, and then after that point, you started developing like gas bloating, cognitive dysfunction, fatigue, something that sounds like you might have developed candida. And then as thyroid goes, you could just easily take your temperature. And the, the website I would refer people to, um, in addition to mine, is that of Dr. Rind, R-I-N-D. Now, Dr. Rind has the best data out there on taking your body temperature and interpreting that in terms of how your thyroid is doing and how your adrenals are doing. So I would refer people to that website for, to functionally learn how you use your temperature because his, the data Dr. Rind has is, is great. He really... He took what Broda Barnes had in, in that book that was written so many years ago, the um, hypothyroidism, the unsuspected illness. He took that and he actually put it into a, a plan where someone can actually do this. It's not just hypothetical anymore. He actually has the facts and will show you based on what your temperature is doing. He'll have you graph your temperature. And we have all our thyroid patients do this. They graph their temperature. And from the graph and how the graph responds, we can tell how their adrenal and thyroid function is doing. I want you to expand a little bit more on when you were talking about the micronutrients of like calcium and copper versus zinc and potassium. And what's funny is when I'm not feeling good. So at my office, like if I start getting a little like, just agitated or I'm not doing well, my whole, like they can kind of see I'm like a little cranky that day or whatever. Inevitably. Okay. People literally go across the street to, you know, the grocery store and get me a fresh coconut and get it cut and have me, you know, put it on my desk. And they're like, Chantel, I brought you a treat or, um, bring me a can of like, you know, nothing but coconut water. And I literally become like a new person. I'm not joking. Like it's, it's crazy, but I feel like there is something else inside of me that's, that's nutritionally missing because I literally just like 
you know, I could be tired. I could be whatever. I drink fresh coconut water and I'm like, oh, you know. Um, so let's talk a little bit of some of the things that you've seen that really makes a difference with that calcium and copper and zinc and potassium and kind of do a little bit more of a deep dive on that. Anything that you take that's high in potassium is going to make a person feel better who, who is a, a candida patient who's edging towards low thyroid or is low thyroid. If you take something that's high in potassium, it's going to make you feel better because that potassium in the coconut, coconut is very high in potassium. I don't know if you know that. Yes. So as a, as a, as a drink, coconut water with its high potassium and high mineral content always makes people feel better, especially those who are low thyroid. Mm-hmm. But anything that, they, that you take, um, well, let's put it in categories. Like for someone who's low thyroid and we're looking at this imbalance in their minerals again, which actually for those of, for those people who are textbook nerds, they can go back and they can get Guyton's physiology book. And if you look through Guyton's physiology, and that's like the Bible of physiology, Guyton said a long time ago that in some way, not fully understood calcium desensitizes your cells to the effects of thyroid hormone while potassium sensitizes the cells. And this is in essence what I was talking about before. So the first group of foods that someone wants to eliminate if they're hypothyroid is foods from the Brassica family, which is sometimes referred to as the uh, cabbage family. Um, Cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, mustard, walnuts, all these foods are high in a chemical that's called thiocyanate. A thiocyanate is a, is a food which actually reduces your thyroid function and eventually could push the person into developing a goiter, which is where your throat and your, your thyroid swells up. You've seen this, I'm sure. You've heard of goiter. It's funny that goiters are very prevalent in the South. And if you look at what people in the South very often eat, they eat a, a diet high in collard greens, turnips, you know, Brussels sprouts, all of these foods that are high in thiocyanates. So you'd first want to eliminate foods from the Brassica family, which is the thiocyanate group. The next thing you'd want to do is you'd want to tend to stress foods that are high in protein because protein has a natural action of increasing your metabolism and it has a natural um, action of lowering excess calcium in your tissues that store and build up there. And then you'd also want to stress foods high in potassium because potassium um, in, in the food helps to support those receptor sites that help your body utilize thyroid hormone. That's what potassium does. So those are the, the groups you'd want to manipulate. And, and see, this is where it becomes hard because so for me, I have struggled with candida and with thyroid. So it's like, okay. So if you, if you do that and you say, okay, Chantel, let's, let's not eat these cruciferous vegetables from the mm-hmm. Brasecca family and don't have cabbage, don't have bamboo shoots, don't have kale, don't have broccoli, don't have Brussels sprouts, don't have mustard. And then you say, okay, but then on a candida diet, right. now, now you go right. to candida totally and you say, right. okay, well, don't, don't have any fruit don't have this and you start eliminating that you literally are like, okay, well, great. I can have chicken and steak and that's there's just and lettuce 
and let us and it, and it just gets to the point where you go you no no joke I know I've been like F it because it's like okay I can't have this now I can't have this I you just it just gets to the point you're like okay whatever I'm done with this it, it's it gets to the point where you're so overwhelmed where it's like and it's so deprivating that you go screw it I'm just gonna eat whatever I want yeah, and it doesn't is what work it is. yeah no, that doesn't work that's why you need a, a a real plan and a real protocol or a real methodology, which takes you through this. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't address thyroid problems until phase three. So we have phase zero, one, and two, which remove the candida and get your probiotics back in there and basically clean out all the bad organisms from your gut. Get handle your candida, handle your dysbiosis. That's phase zero, one, and two. Phase three is where we address the thyroid. Because why would we, why would you, why would you go to someone's house that's on fire with firemen there and start putting new furniture in? Mm -hmm. That would make no sense. You put the fire out, you fix the house, then you'd put new furniture in. Mm -hmm. So the, that's why you have to do it in a logical fashion like that. Phase, we do phase zero, one, and two to get rid of the candida, get rid of the dysbiosis. Then on phase three, what the first thing we do is test the person for any type of toxicity which could cause the candida to come back or which might be affecting your thyroid. That could be copper toxicity, mercury toxicity, could be various um, uh, types of chemicals they come in contact with, even on a day-to-day -day basis in their job or a hobby. And those chemicals could be storing in their body and down-regulating their thyroid. So we test them first for toxicity. And then if we find toxicity there, we detox them of it. If we find no toxicity, we then balance their biochemistry as, as we see it on the tests. So if you don't break it that way, then you're, as you're saying, you can't put a person on a bun, this um, ungapachka program, you know, what? in Yiddish, ungapachka means everything thrown together. Mm. You can't do that. It's not going to work. And the person is going to say, F it, just like you said. So <laughs> that's why you handle the candida first, because I got news for you. Trying to fix someone's thyroid while they have candida is like is like kicking yourself in the back of the head. It's just not going to work. The candida will continue to downregulate their thyroid. So you get rid of the candida. You get rid of any of the toxins which are suppressing the thyroid. Now you have a clear playing field. Now you can take their their biochemistry, as you see on the tests. Now you can really adjust it, and it's gonna it's gonna work, and it's gonna stay that way. Mm. That's the correct order to do things in. There's an order, an echelon in which you do things and that works and doesn't work. And what doesn't work is what we just discussed. What does work is when you do things in a logical fashion, a logical, orderly, stepwise fashion, where you're handling things in the correct step to allow the next step to work. Mm -hmm. Well, I have one listener question that just <clears throat> I have from Suzanne Montaga from Jonesboro, Arkansas, that I'll ask for you. She says, I have candida in a really bad way. I get my doctor to prescribe Diflucan and I feel so much better, but he only gives it to me for 20 days. And that's it because it's supposedly not good for my liver. When I'm on do Diflucan, I stop eating sugar altogether and I feel great. When I stop eating it, then I'm craving sugar so bad that I can't stop eating the sugar help any tips of what I can do to stop this sugar cravings, Susanna Montago. What do you need to do? She needs to handle her overall condition. There's not a, a there's not really a bandaid that's going to help this. The doctor gives it to her for 21 for 20 days because he knows if he goes longer, it could damage her liver and her kidneys, as I said earlier. 
Also, 21 days is the mark where the candida starts to mutate. It just starts that at that point. Um, if, if Even if she was to take it for 25 days, I don't think she'd be in trouble because it, um, it wouldn't really have a chance to advance uh, itself that much in the mutation at that point. It's only four days over the line. But there's other than short of taking things like chromium, which she could do, she could look for a blood sugar supplement that contains chromium, vanadium. It might have um, berberine in there. There are different supplements out there that help to control your blood sugar. But really what she needs to handle is the candida. The candida is what's causing this. I, I have taken chromium before and you're right. Chromium really does help. It is kind of like a, one of those really does help. Um, but yes, she definitely needs to come see you. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Sure. They can find us on the web, um, the New York city candida doctor and the New York city thyroid doctor. Those are the two websites we have. There's also our main website, which is health-truth.com. So they can easily find us on the websites. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was a wealth of knowledge and I definitely need to come see you and do a test. And you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.